Hello, I'm Kelly McVeigh, and this is Carry On with Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag, a little at a time, one story at a time. Do you get it? Carry on, carry on luggage, one small bag. Anyway, thank you for joining me for Carry On with Kelly. This is season two, episode two. And in this season, I'll be spending part of each episode looking back on last year, where I was mentally and physically, and most importantly, where I was globally this time last year, since that's when travel was still possible and I was traveling throughout the world. And I will spend part of each episode talking about what I'm doing now in life to carry on as we move forward. This is my attempt, this podcast is my attempt to chronicle the journeys that I've been on the past few years and hopefully chronicle the paths that I'm taking to move forward into the future. So let's move on with episode two in season two of Carry On With Kelly. Last week, if you recall, I was looking back on Bangkok, which was my first stop on my travels in 2020. I chose Bangkok because it was familiar to me. And once I got over the jet lag and got a little sense of travel back, I flew 90 minutes north to Chiang Rai, which is a town of about 200,000 people in Northern Thailand. That 90 minute flight though was a very big deal for me because it took me out of the familiar. Like I had said, I had been to Bangkok so many times and it made so much sense to me. So this flight took me out of the familiar and put me somewhere new where I had to learn to trust myself again. And that was hard for me. Pre-cancer, I traveled around the world by myself. I did solo travel all the time. In fact, in 2016, which I had mentioned an episode, one of the episodes in season two, in 2016, I traveled the world, circumvented the globe on a solo trip. So solo travel was a big deal, but that was pre-cancer. Post-cancer, up until that point when I flew to Chiang Rai, I really hadn't been alone in an unfamiliar environment since my diagnosis. Unless, of course, we want to talk metaphorically, which the whole cancer thing was unfamiliar, but we don't need to go there today. So I fly the 90 minutes to Chiang Rai. Why Chiang Rai? When I think about travel, I'm drawn to certain things. So I seek out certain things. I always seek out temples. I don't know if you want to call it a mosque, a church, a wat. doesn't matter what the name goes by. I seek them out. I always find peace and tranquility in these areas. Even when they're overrun by an abundance of tourists, they bring me some sort of solitude. When I travel, I always explore markets in a strange land. There's something about a night market or a day market that really draws me into that city. Maybe I'm hoping to find something unique to suck into my suitcase, but I just love the environment there. I love to delve into local culture, and I do that by sitting in coffee shops so I can people watch and look at them maneuver through their everyday life. And Chiang Mai really checked all of these boxes. So it seemed like the perfect place for me to go on this new adventure. 
So let's start with the temples that I found in Chiang Mai. I think I spent four days in Chiang Mai. Like I said, it was a, a quick flight from Bangkok. And the whole entire town, even though I said it was 200,000 people, it doesn't seem that big. The whole entire town, very walkable, and it was all dotted with these little temples. So no matter where you walk down the street, every turn you would find a temple. But there were three in particular that I sought out. The first one, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but the first one was Wat Rong Su Ten, which was translated as the House of the Dancing Tiger. I am sorry to say that I did not see one dancing tiger at this temple, but it was quite spectacular. It's a relatively new temple. It was just built in 2016, and the tourists call it the Blue Temple for very obvious reasons, if you would see it. It has this amazing, amazing bright blue coloring. So that was the first temple that I drove out to visit. Another temple that I visited, and I did very little research on this one, it was called Bon Dom, which translated into Black House. Bon means house, Dom means black. This was probably my favorite temple. I wouldn't even say just in Chiang Rai, but probably my favorite temple in this whole entire trip. It was just a short drive out of town, but I would say it was even more than a temple. It was like part museum, part art studio, part home. The artist created this collection of 40 different buildings, and some of them were traditional Thai houses, which I've fallen in love with before in life. Others were these houses that were very odd shapes. All of them were varying sizes. All of them, except for one, I think, was painted black. That other random one was painted very stark white. And these 40 build, um, buildings were set out in like, I don't want to say a field, but in the woods. And you just roamed through these paths in the woods and just went to each building. Some buildings you were allowed in, some buildings were glassed off that you could only look into. And each of these buildings had an odd collection of things inside of them. So there were animal skulls, some buildings had furniture made of buffalo horns. There were phallic statues, animal skins, um, just very odd interiors overall. When they first opened Bondam, it was really quite controversial. There were so many interpretations of what the artist meant when he built this building and they opened it. Some felt the buildings represented sickness, old age, and death. Others thought they specifically represented the death that Buddha witnessed during his travels. People thought it reflected human desire and craving, like from a negative perspective. Others thought it was evil and depicted the depths of hell. All of this, which I'm so glad I didn't read about this before I visited it. I didn't read all of that until I got back to my hotel because I really found roaming through the grounds peaceful and calming. And it was such a delight to be roaming through these paths and to just happen upon a random house and kind of explore it. So it was a completely different experience. And 
There was a decent amount of people there, but it was this huge plot of land. So you kind of still felt like you were isolated and you had it all to yourself. At one point, quite randomly, I came across a group of young Thai men. They looked to be like high school age teenagers, and they were all playing music and instruments. It looked like they were part of some high school band, and they just happened upon this plot of land to practice for the day. So in the middle of these 40-odd Thai structures, that was just very random. The other temple that I visited, which was a short drive from Chiang Mai in the opposite direction of the Black House, was Wat Rung Kun, which is translated into the White Temple. The White Temple was created by a student of the artist who created Bondam, the Black House. So that was an odd correlation, I thought. The White Temple is meant to be an artistic interpretation of a Buddhist temple and not really an actual temple. And everything in the entire temple is white. The stark white is meant to represent purity and the peacefulness of Buddha. But oddly, I felt no peace at the white temple. It really overall disturbed me And parts I actually found quite sinister. If it's something you're interested in looking at, there are pictures of all these temples on my website at kellymcveigh.com. But the the oddity, like I said, that this was supposed to uh, transpose peace and it really disturbed me, I thought was interesting. The Black House, Bondam, brought me all this calming and, and this sense of peace I visited, I roamed quietly, I discovered new buildings. The White Temple caused my heart to race, and really not in a good way. Everyone was pushing around where the Black House, everything was very calm. White Temple, everybody was pushing you to get to a better vantage point. Everybody seemed to be rushing through to get to the other side, which I didn't understand that. There was no place for my driver to park. So after I was done looking through, I couldn't even find my driver, which was quite unsettling for a while. So these were meant to be separate entities, but I kind of saw them as parallels in life, at least in my life, where I once rushed to the end of everything, like at the White Temple. I rushed through life just trying to get somewhere, trying to be consent, trying to be something I've kind of let all that part of me go and I'm I'm trying to let life just unfold as it happens in front of me. And that's what I kind of got from the black house, not to get too deep or anything. So I was hoping to kind of discover all that as I traveled, exactly what I was looking for in life. And I think that Chiang Rai was a really good place to start that I don't want to say transformation, but Chiang Rai was a good place for me to start thinking about how I was going to move through life. And after I visited Chiang Rai, I decided I wanted life to be more like the unfolding of the Black House versus the disturbance of that white temple. Other than visiting the temples, my visit to Chiang Rai, I really spent the days roaming through the streets. Like I said, every street that you turned down, there was a small temple that I could visit. 
which was lovely. I explored so many different coffee shops that I had found in my research, just sort of roaming through town and stopping at a cafe or a coffee shop. I made friends with the owner of my hotel. She was quite lovely. I found this great night market on the other side of town that I roamed down a couple nights and just explored this huge market. And it was a really great adventure. My first really solo post-cancer adventure. And that was where I was in 2020. So where am I today? Today is February 2nd, 2021. What have I been doing to carry on with life? So one thing I've been doing, I have been taking Spanish classes. I've been taking online Spanish classes on Duolingo, which is a free app. I've been taking these classes every day since the beginning of October. My cousin, Nikki Lanigan, I was on her podcast last year. It's called Fun, Fit, and Frazzled. You should check it out. Anyway, last year and sometime in September, she had put out a last 90-day challenge, which is supposed to be this challenge as a way to end the year on a strong note. You know, most people do resolutions at the beginning of the year as like a New Year's resolution to start the year off right. So the 90-day challenge was kind of the opposite about that. Take the last 90 days of the year to sort of set yourself up in a position to start the year off in a good place. So when she introduced the challenge, I decided to take part in it. I set a few goals to do on a daily basis the last 90 days. I'm not going to focus on the negative, on the ones that I didn't accomplish, but I will say that I did accomplish my Spanish classes almost consistently now since the beginning of October. This is the beginning of February. So for the past four months, I have been learning Spanish. So why Spanish? I took French in high school, which we know was, oh my gosh, over 30 years ago now. I thought about taking Italian classes. Part of that was a little Eat, Pray, Love when that came out. I read a couple other books about Italian classes. So I thought about Italian classes and never did it. But Spanish right now in life really kind of makes sense. Through most of the pandemic, I had talked about traveling to Panama. I had researched Panama and I had this intention of spending the winter in Panama so I didn't have to deal with the winter this year. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. I'm still in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, in the middle of the snow. But I had this idea of exploring Panama. I also am looking into a project in Guatemala, which we'll talk about another day. But both of these, I thought Spanish would come in handy for both of these trips if I end up traveling to Panama and Guatemala. So I started Spanish classes. Um, I'm hoping both trips still come to fruition, maybe in the spring, maybe in the summer. So I'm going to keep continue to take the classes because, frankly, I'm enjoying it. Why Spanish now? You might not be asking that question, but I ask myself that question because it's kind of odd for me. I've been sort of Spanish adjacent for years and never had a desire to learn the language. So what do I mean I've been Spanish adjacent? So I'll talk about three specific people in my life where Spanish has been important to them. Dee, who is a very dear friend from high school and from life, has really been immersed in Spanish since college. She taught at a bilingual high school 
bilingual high school for years. She actually stayed at my apartment one summer in New York to get certified to teach English in Europe. And then she lived in Spain for, I think, over a decade And I would go visit her in Spain and I've traveled through Spain and I really had no desire to learn the language. So Spanish adjacent. Jen, who I talked about in episode three of season one, she's my friend who influenced me to travel after our trip to Goa in India. She's Spanish. We lived together briefly in New York how many years ago that was, 2006, 2007, maybe. Um, She grew up in Spain. Her whole entire family is still in Spain. And, you know, I've been around her almost every day in New York for the better part of how long was I in New York? 12 years. Never thought to learn Spanish, Spanish adjacent. And then finally, Jay, a very dear friend in New York, who's also Spanish. His whole entire family, for the most part, is back in Spain. And like I said, I was around Jen and Jay almost daily throughout my time in New York. Never influenced me to take Spanish, but yet here I am, not near any of them. Dee is no longer living in Spain, and I've decided now is the time to take Spanish lessons, but I'm okay with that. It'll all, I'll figure it all out one day. In case you were wondering, my favorite word in Spanish means to drink. And I don't know if it's the word or just conjugating the verb that I like, but yo bebo, two babies, il bebe means I drink, you drink, he drinks. And I think that's my favorite thing to say during my Spanish classes. I didn't say I've gotten far, but I did say that I'm taking Spanish to carry on with life. And that is season two, episode two of Carry On With Kelly. So I hope you'll join me for the next episode where I will move from Chiang Rai to Chiang Mai, talk about my journey in Chiang Mai, and how I'm continuing to carry on every day with life. Thank you. Have a good night.